The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right. It's going down. Saturday night. I've been waiting for the show for a long time. Well, I actually had to wait for this man's life to develop in Christ so I could actually bring him on the show. So tonight, I have one of my good friends, Zach Yoshi Oka. Correct. There you I go. got it? You got it. Dang it. <laughs> I forgot. I always mess up names if you listen to the show, as you have. Yeah, that's okay, right. so that's let right. me give a little, little, little back, background before we get the show going. So um, I have a friend named Mikey from Islander, which he's been on the show several times. You guys all know him. Um, and he, uh, he says, hey, listen, my, my manager friend... Um, I want you to meet. He's, he's my manager and he's my friend. I want you to meet him one day. I think uh, it'll be awesome when you guys meet. So basically, you're the guy. That's me. And yeah. uh, you actually uh, manage the whosoever's now. Mm-hmm. Um, you help manage myself as well. Mm-hmm. And since we've met and since God's been doing all these cool things, you're actually connected to a lot of the whosoever ambassadors now. Yeah, like, like Ronnie Feist and um, <laughs> I, pretty much everyone that uh, is in your guys' little circle, I was connected to at some point. So coming and being involved in the collective that you guys have has been really comforting. So Yeah, and you know, you've really just been a part of uh, working with us over the last couple months. It's been a real uh, amazing thing that God, how God has been using you in our lives to actually connect dots and, and just help take the, the movement to the next level. You're, are you the owner of uh, Power Man? Yeah, uh, Powerline Management's our yeah. company. I'm the co-owner yeah. with my partner, Kyle okay. Mormon. Um, we were kind of most known for, uh, Kyle was instrumental in um, navigating Asking Alexandria's career early on. And then um, currently we have um, everyone from Escape the Fate to Butcher Babies, a lot of active rock bands, producers, etc. So, And you guys have been pr- producing music festivals and, and mm-hmm. concerts and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we have the concert company, which is on pause now, obviously, because of yeah. quarantine and pandemic landscape. But um, yeah, we've done almost a thousand shows in the last 14 years. So it's been uh, we've we've done shows for everyone from Travis Scott to Twenty One Pilots, John Billion. Um, you know, seeing them grow on the way up, and then as a promoter that's not part of Live Nation, catching them on the way down as well. So isn't that I've, insane? Yeah, I've seen bands in the van and trailer go all the way to ten buses, all the way back to the van and trailer. So it's it's crazy, and we have applied a lot of what we learned in concert promoting and seeing what has happened with artists on the way up and down to the management side. We can see the mistakes, we can see the right records being written, the wrong records, etc., and just kind of apply it to the management side of things so dude amazing well look at i i love having different people on the show that come from different lifestyles you know managers um human traffic people uh musicians pastors all different missionaries from africa i just love to keep it the show diverse and the reason the whole reason why i started this radio show is because i felt like there was a a lack of bringing people from the culture into the the church and exposing of how God can use you out there. Because a lot of people think that when you give your life to Christ, um, you have to uh, work at a church. Like if I'm going to serve God, it has to be at a church. I got to be a pastor. And everyone's like, how am I going to be a pastor or evangelist or, you know, some kind of a worship leader or something inside the church unit. But God has called us to go out of the church and to preach the gospel baptize the people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach mm. them to obey my commandments. we got to be living for Christ outside the church. How else are we going to reach the outside world? The church is important because it's where we come 
to to get um, to get the knowledge of Christ, mm. so we can go live out in the world. And that's why I want to talk about your story today because you are one that has found Christ, and you are actually doing it, literally doing it in such an amazing, unique space that mm. a lot of people would love to be in, but God has chose you and placed you there. And he still has you there, which is amazing. But I want to talk about the story about how you even got to the place where you're at. Not that you've arrived by any means, <laughs> but none of us have arrived. Um, it's just what God's grace in our life is how he uses us in these chapters, in these seasons. But you, you know, just starting up, like, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up, uh, I'm originally, um, I'll just start from the, the core beginning. Yeah. Um, I'm adopted from Seoul, Korea, actually. Mm -hmm. And I, I was in foster care and I, I lived there for like the first nine months of my life um, before I was adopted from my adopted parents, um, Carl and Audrey Oshioka. Um, my dad's Japanese. My mom's white. Um, so growing up, everyone thought, you know, in uh, Iowa and Tempe, Arizona, the first few years of my life, everyone thought that I was like half Japanese. Right. So explaining to people that I was like half Japanese, but I'm from Korea um, and I'm actually Korean was really confusing to people. So eventually I just started not <laughs> saying anything about my adoption. People would be like, oh, you're half Japanese. I'm like, sure. You know, I, they'd be like, I'd just be like, oh, my mom's white. My dad's Japanese. And they would just assume because you don't want to have to explain every time. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. That's so exhausting as a kid because, you know, as a kid, you want to fit in, you know, yeah. and I was like, why? Are you tall you know and just weird questions like that like <laughs> so yeah when you're the, and also being the token asian guy your whole life too i mean I well was did never, you say in in uh arizona and where else um iowa i so iowa, I, yeah. I was adopted to iowa first grade my dad um got transferred from iowa state to uh, arizona state university yep. he's a professor there my mom's a kindergarten teacher and uh i was pretty much an arizona native at this point nice so. <laughs> So growing up, like, were you, how do you even get into music? Were you into sports or? Um, well, I was, you know, my whole family is just uh, all over my family is just, um, you know, all conference athletes, all state athletes, et cetera. And um, when I got to high school, my dad was pretty much just like, you're going to pick a sport or you have nothing to talk about with this family. So I was like, well, football, wrestling and track don't cut. So I'll do those. And I actually excelled in football as an all conference football player, you know, in middle school as that kid, you know. I was angry, you know, being a lot of fights, et cetera. The football coaches recognized that. And um, they were like, Zach will hit anyone. We'll put him in the field. And we know that he's going to, you know, want to kill quarterbacks. So um, that's what I did. And uh, it was probably pretty, I don't want to say anything against football or anything against um, my high school's team or anything like that. But the influence that I had um, probably from my coaches was not I would say, looking back on it now, all positive. It was something that, you know, they were taking the rage inside of me and then using that um, on their platform to win on defense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I literally, when I stepped on the field, I was just trying to hurt somebody, you know, and I felt like, you know, in contact sports, you have to have that mentality of like, yo, I want to hit people, you know, and yeah, I feel, yeah. feel like in my teenage growing up years, develop, developmental years, that kind of warped me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it just kind of carried over in my attitude. Like I was just kind of like that guy. It's just like, if you look at me weird, um, you know, you're going to get hit right. <laughs> pretty much, you know? So well, let's, let's talk about the anger for a minute because mm -hmm. that's very relevant with, um, the culture, a lot mm -hmm. of anger. Oh yeah. I mean, look, you just look around with the news and everything that's going on, a lot of anger and violence going on, mm -hmm. but how would you speak into that, that anger? How did that all come up when you were younger? Um, I don't know, you know, like, um, you know, my parents, uh, my mom's pretty, um, you know, uh, culturally Christian, you know, mm -hmm. we spent a year in Methodist and my, my father comes from a military family. So very like, it's like this, you right. know, you're going to do it like this. There's no other way. 
Um, and, you know, I had great parents in the sense of, like, they raised us with a lot of great morals. They taught us to work really, really hard. I built hay on a farm every single summer up until the age of 16. Um, but it was a very disciplined, like, um, you're going to get good grades. You're going to pass all your classes. This is what it is. Um, and, you know, not having really, like, a Christian background or any type of, like, understanding what love really was, I think my sister and I kind of rebelled against that a little bit, too. Um, my Most of my cousins in the Midwest all went to church every Sunday. And, right. you know, when we moved to Arizona, we just didn't have that, like, foundation um, with it. It was just, like, be a good person, do this, don't do that, and, you know, you'll be all right. But as, you know, the outside world has started to influence us, you know, football influenced me, um, you know, movies, MTV, all those stuff. I wanted to be a filmmaker for a long time, okay. and that's how I started touring. Um, when I was in college, um, I started filmmaking, and this was before YouTube and, like, social media and stuff. So we were, like, premiering the movies over at this dollar theater, Tempe Cinemas, and right. we were passing out flyers, and everyone was showing up. We'd sell out two screenings at 800 people each. Dang, that's and, in high school? Yeah, that's in huge. college, yeah, in yeah. college, yeah. So, like, Filmmaker Magazine was writing about us. The local newspaper what? was writing about us. It was We were basically selling out, out these uh, theaters with these films that we were making. And, you know, they weren't the best plots, but, you know, I could shoot and edit for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we would put music videos I was making for local bands before that. And this band called the Funk Junkies in Arizona recognized these music videos. And they were basically like, when I was in college, they were like, if we take you on these mini tours and you shoot a DVD for us, we're going to introduce you to this group called the Cottonmouth Kings on our label. And they'll, um, you know, they'll take you on tour and they'll do all these things. And I was like 21, you know, mm -hmm. I was just like, sure. You know, I was but this naive. This is how opportunities happen. Yeah. This is how it happens. <laughs> so I was naive. I was like, okay, cool. You know, um, so we shot a DVD with them and then more record labels started calling us. I remember I got a call one time and this guy's like, hey, my name's Neil. Uh, my band's playing the marquee. Can you film a live music video for us? And I'm like, cool. What's your band called? He's like, we're called Three Days Grace, you know? Um, and then we started shooting like Vans Warp Tour and all those things. But eventually, um, uh, by the time I graduated, this guy, this guy Kevin Zinger, calls me. He owns uh, this company called SRH Productions. And he's like, Zach, what's up? I hear you do great video work. Um, I got this group called the Cottonmouth Kings. We just broke off of Capitol Records, and we we want content, and we want to put out these DVDs. Um, will you start touring with the band? And, uh, you know, 22. Did you, did you know who they were? Um, I had you, gone you to some of them. their concerts, yeah. um, but I didn't really smoke weed or anything. Yeah, I, that's I what I was going to ask. Are you, you're, you're pretty much sober. I mean, you're drinking, but not, not in the drugs. Um, well, I in high school, I I didn't drink that much it was like here and there but i got to college you know i got my own apartment yeah. i was working as a film editor for some other place and yeah i mean i was definitely living a sinful sinful self-absorbed life yeah um i was just like wow this is wild no one's telling me what to do i can do whatever i'm making films um meeting people all the time i'm hanging out with bands it was it was wild yeah. um and then yeah so this guy kevin zinger calls me he's just like um basically my mom had to move my home graduation to the day I graduated ASU because I was getting flown out to this tour. Um, it was like May. I came home in September, like a completely different person. Um, the Cottonmouth Kings at the time, you know, they were blown out two nights in a row everywhere, like literally A, B, C, and D markets everywhere, just uh, crushing every single festival. They'd gotten off Capitol Records and they were just like this force. It was, you know, a real rise in like, um, in like punk rock at the time, you know, mm -hmm. this is like the early 2000s and uh, we just rode that wave. And I mean, these guys were, I mean, I'll just say this, they don't call them the Cottonmouth Kings for nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, so being in that, so now you're on tour, you're basically living your dream. I mean, you're what? 20, 20 I was 22 years old, 22 yeah. years old, getting paid, <laughs> traveling yep. around. 
I mean, you're doing big things. Yeah, it was wild. So, like, what, during this time, like, what's what's going on with you? Because, I mean, you, you grew up and you said you were kind of going to church. Did you ever have a relationship with God, or was that just more to kind of like a religious thing to you? We did about a year at this Methodist church. Yeah. Um, but uh, it just, you know, it was one of those things like our, this is a weird story. Our tradition was to go to Dunkin' Donuts after church. Yeah. And this was when Dunkin' Donuts was like a diner. Okay. So oh, okay. we would always go to Dunkin' Donuts afterwards. And, um, you know, the church was just like old people and like hymns and like, you know, I was like fourth, fifth grade. I didn't know what was going on. I'm sitting yeah. in these hard pews. I'm like this. <laughs> like this full on old school. Yeah. I'm not into this, you know. <laughs> um, they, the Methodists didn't believe in hell and all these things. So I was like, what's the point? Like, I don't really understand what's what's happening and all that. And um, so the the family that owned this Dunkin' Donuts that we'd go to traditionally, um, they were a family that moved away from Iraq um, to get away from the war at the time in the Middle East or whatever. And so um, they... Uh, we're running this Dunkin' Donuts as a franchise. And one night someone came in and shot the son and it was like on the news. He died, all these terrible things. And I remember one Sunday after church, we went and we brought him flowers and stuff. And after, after that, my dad was like, this is like kind of too traumatic for the kids. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. So, so we just stopped going to church and Got it. occasionally we'd show up at church on like Christmas at my grandma's church in like Illinois. But it just was never like, it was just like this thing. It was like a drive through at McDonald's. Like we go through this drive through, like, we're good, you know. Right, um, right. If we do this every now and then, you know, Got you it. should believe in God. And my mom would pray before um, meals and stuff of that nature. But like, I, I had no idea what it was. Jesus Christ to me was nothing more than a word, two words we said when we were upset. It's like that, exactly. It's like that American Christianity, you know. Like I'm mm -hmm. born in America. Yeah, we go to church on Sundays, you know. But there's there's not that relationship. Mm -hmm. So here you are. You're you're on tour with Cottonmouth Keys. You're living your dream. I mean, you're 22 years old, own own place, traveling all over the world. Like, what was going on inside of you during this time? Like, did you did you have any emptiness, or was were you being satisfied, or like what like what were your what were what was going on in your life? Well, it it was weird because you get into these moments. Um, and I always describe uh, being around celebrity or being around um, high energy um, moments and stuff as very like. They're very temporary, but also, like, when you're around, like, a ton of celebrities in a place, I've always told people, like, people ask, like, what's it like to be around, like, Travis Barker or be around, like, Motley Crue or whatever, yeah. you know, these celebrities I've been around. And I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like the mannequin challenge. It's like it's like the real-life mannequin challenge. The room kind of freezes up when this person enters the room, and it's like, you know, how in the Bible they say, you know, ide ideology is bad and all mm -hmm. that. It's like a God walks in the room and everyone's looking at them like they're God, but they're not. So there's like this weird lingering presence that's like, like, this doesn't feel right. You know, why are we idolizing this person? This person's just a normal human being. And it's so bizarre because the room will freeze up like mm -hmm. mannequin challenge when someone that famous walks in. And I remember recognizing that early on, like, this is like weird. Like, you know, I'm like, this is what it is. Like when I was watching MTV and stuff growing up or listening to the radio, I was like, I, everyone looked at movie stars and musicians. It's like, man, what be so cool to be a celebrity. And then you're around them and you're like, this ain't that cool. This is bizarre. You That's know? so interesting that you said that. Cause it does have that, that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. when someone walks in and everyone's kind of like, freezes, but then it's, it's nothing. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's like this person is not God, but everyone looks at him with this ideology of like, um, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, what I felt, you know, 
a lot of early on. So I was like, oh, this is weird, you know. And then eventually, um, I realized that all the money was on the, um, you know, the business side of the music business. So, you know, um, my business partner, Kyle, we had worked on some Cottonmouth King stuff together with audio. And he was like, we're going to start this management company and we're going to throw shows and um, we're going to make a ton of money and we're going to go off and do this. And I was like, yeah, right. I remember he was like loading his sound gear into the Marquee Theater um, for this Cottonmouth Kings live audio taping. And the security guard comes up to him and he's like, yo, dude, like, can we get your ID? And uh, so you can be backstage. And he's like, oh, I'm only 20. And I looked at him. I was like, I just hired a kid to do oh, the audio no. on this Cottonmouth Kings DVD. I'm like 24. Yeah, 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 and I'm yeah. just like, whoa, like, I don't know. Like, are you, you know what you're doing, right? You know, and he had done like Authority Zero and other, you know, bands of that nature. But, um, yeah, he just kind of jabbed me and jabbed me, and eventually I um, I was managing this band called I Set to Kill. They were like a big MySpace band from Arizona, and that was like my first dip into like, um, you know, can I, I think I can be in the music business because that's where all the money's at. You know, right, it's like producing events. Yeah, it's not yeah. on the video side. It's not on the right. artistic side. It's in the, the management and the sh- concerts and all that. You want to be where the cash is at. And um, so I was managing this band, I Set to Kill, and Kyle would call me all the time. We'd be on tour with, like, Papa Roach. He'd be like, we're going to do this. And I'd be like, dude, you're 20. Like, <laughs> stop. And uh, eventually convinced me. Like, we opened offices, and, um, you know, we didn't have any lines of credit or anything, but we were the first four or five years of it, we were just throwing these shows, making money, and that was paying for the whole party. But I was, like, substitute teaching on the side. He was working construction for his dad, and it was just, like – Dude, I was just getting burnt out. I was like, this is crazy. Like, why are we doing this? You know, um, how can you gross, you know, 200 grand and not have anything to show for it? You mm-hmm. know, and I'm still working the mm-hmm. day job. Um, and then uh, there was like this summer where I, w- I was so flooded with shows. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, run these shows all summer. I'm just not going to substitute teach this summer because I need to focus on this. And I blinked my eyes and it was September and um, I hadn't gone back to sub. School usually starts back by August and I blinked my eyes and it was hadn't happened. So it wasn't like this decision like I'm going to be in the music business now. It just happened. I didn't like say I'm quitting my day job. It just flowed like that. And then since, yeah, literally since that moment to 2020 when the pandemic hit, um, I've just been, you know, uh, working with my bands, uh, throwing anywhere from 80 to 150 events a year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just rode a wild, wild, wild wave, you know? Now (laughs) with all that though, there's been, there's, there's been a lot of other stuff going on underneath because there's, there was some emptiness that was going on inside of you. There was some soul searching. Mm. There was some crazy relationships, uh, that were, uh, going on. Cause we've had some conversations and okay. So from the outside, yes, your career took off. But underneath, there was all this crazy stuff going on in your life that you were you were dating some girl that was uh, in some into witchcraft. She was witchcraft, right? I know (laughs) she was into witchcraft. And there's all these crazy things were going on. So during this time, I got a a a call or text message from from Mikey, and he says, "Hey, man, my manager, he's 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 searching." And I was like, "Perfect." He's like, "Do you want to connect with him?" Like, "Yeah, dude, I'll fly out with him." Or have them come over here and let's just go break bread and, and eat lunch or whatever it is just mm-hmm. to kind of hear what's what's going on with them. Because the thing that I don't like to do is, you know, come in and press Christ on people. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a va- – my, my style is more like let's have a conversation. Let's just get to know each other yeah. and, and hear what's going on. And during that time, you were actually – I think you were talking to Damien or something. Yeah. So I have this client um, set to stun mm-hmm. and um, – 
God kind of brought them into our lives in the weirdest way. Um, I managed this other act called Escape the Fate, and mm-hmm. they're like a pioneering um, screamo band. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't like taking any of their bands on tour. They don't like other bands that much. They're mm-hmm. just not – I mean, they're very personable people, but I wouldn't say they're like the type of band that is like best friends with everyone like on a very shallow basis. They're either friends with you all the way or they're just not friends at all. Yeah. And they just kind of got behind um, – the singer of the band, Craig, just kind of got behind – this band set to stun, and the singer Damien is a Christian. And I remember we were in, we put them on multiple tours. They went with Escape the Fate like all over the planet, and we were in the Hard Rock before this tour started. And uh, it was like the first day of the tour. Shows like packed in Vegas because Escape the Fate's originally from Vegas. And yeah. Damien comes up to me in the middle of the show, and he just goes, he's all excited to be on the tour and all that, and he's just like, Zach, God brought you into our lives. And um, and you're not a Christian, so what, so what no, do you think about that? Conver- I just no one had vocalized that to me before, and I remember just looking at him like what he just said was so like out of this world, utterly ridiculous. I was like, no one's ever said something that to me, but it really impacted me. I was like, man, that is kind of beautiful, like cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, I think you're nuts, but cool. Yeah. And then um, I remember like later in that year, I had just picked up Islander too. And, you know, Islander's one of those bands, God has just had his hands on them their whole career. Um, huge bands just want to take them on tour, like Papa Roach, Stone Sour, Corn, multiple times. I mean, they've just done every big tour, arena tour out there possible. And I remember sitting there with Mikey. We're in, uh, we just had lunch with one of this, the biggest record labels on the planet. Um, uh, we were basically about to sign this deal, and we're, we went out to dinner with the A&Rs. And so I'm sitting there with Mikey in this cab, I remember, in New York City, and we're just I'm just vibing out. You know, he's just a really cool dude. Yeah, Mikey's super cool. Yeah, and I just, I remember asking him, I'm like, Mikey, you don't really have a lot of star power. You're just kind of like some dude, like from Greenville, South Carolina. Like, I'm like, why are you so different? Like, why do, when you walk in the room, why does the room light up like it's, you know, like Santa Claus just walked in? I don't get it. Like, it's like this childlike love about him. He just walks in the room, the room lights up. And he just started talking about Jesus like it was... Um, like a real person, like someone like in the room with us, like a relative or like an uncle or a high school college buddy or something. And I was just like, whoa, like, like I never heard of anyone talk about the character of Jesus like that. And um, that really stuck with me too. So uh, fast forward uh, right before quarantine and pandemic, it's 2020, um, February, 2020. And Damien from set to stun is like staying at my house Oh, okay. Um, he's that... in town recording and stuff, and every night he's just reading the Bible at night. And I just kept looking over in the guest bedroom, like, what's he doing in there? He's just reading this <laughs> Bible for hours. And um, it was crazy because he leaves, and I was like, all right, cool, man. We didn't really hang out that much that, uh, when he was there because um, I was working and, you know, he was recording his album. And um, uh, I get these text messages. I just missed two of them, like, hey, Zach, we need to talk about some personal stuff, whatever. I'm just like, whatever. And I, then I, I got another one. I missed him. I texted him back. We played phone tag a little bit. But eventually, I, uh, he got on the phone with me, and, and Damien was like, when I was driving home to LA, I just couldn't stop thinking about you. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, it's funny. I don't really know you that well, but yeah, yeah. cool. When, when you're not a Christian, it's, it's so like bizarre. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so he's like, I couldn't stop thinking about you. And he, he just said some things to me. Like he was like, Zach, like you're a really loving person. You're always serving people. You put everyone before you all the time. And, um, he's just like, I see your glass and you're pouring from an empty glass. He's like, you got nothing left to give. You're like so loving and you're always serving. You're doing everything that God asks you to do, but you don't know the Lord. And, um, I, at that point in my life, you know, I had, you know, I'd lived with five girlfriends. I've had, 
you know, you, when you're traveling around the planet, just searching for like what is going to satisfy you, yep. looking for peace. Yep. My mentality was like, if I can just get here, I'll be happy. If I just get here, I'll be happy. If I can just do this, this, and this, and check this off the list, I'll be happy. And it had gotten to the point where, you know, over $10 million had flowed through our business accounts. I own a house. My car's paid off. But I'd live with five girlfriends, um, all ending in disaster with, you know, police being called and crazy things of that nature. And just all these traumatic things in my personal life, it just led up and led up and led up. And I was just burying it in work and just burying it in ideology and burying it in what I thought at the time was cool, you know? Right, right. So um, at that point, I would have done anything to feel better. So I was like, sure, Damien, um, I'll believe that Jesus saved the world. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so I called, I was like, the only person I can really talk about this with is Mikey Carvajal from Islander. <laughs> and so it's, it's March, yeah. um, the week of March 13th, right before quarantine hits. I call up Mikey. And I'm like, Mikey. So you would say safely that you're just completely empty. You've had everything that you've, you've worked for. Oh yeah. You've had everything that you could say would make you happy absolutely and yet you're just empty i had it all yeah i had offices I, I had i had money um i have a house like it's just like you just have all these things that really don't mean anything um at the end so i i just thought that those things would make me happy and none of it brought any happiness it was just i was just miserable i was angry and miserable all the time and uh i, I was like after damien said those things to me which were really affirmative i was like there's only one guy I can talk to about this, and that's Mikey, Mikey. Carbajal. So I flew to Indiana, and him which and his... he texted me and said you were on, on your way over. Yeah, there. I'm I, like, it's going yeah. down. It was I was just nuts. <laughs> I mean, back then, if I wanted to go somewhere, I just hopped on a plane and went anywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I just I'm like, Mikey, I'm coming out to you these dates. Um, we're gonna hang or whatever. <laughs> and so him and his wife Taylor work at this school in Indiana. Um, that that documentary, Loud Crazy Love, yep. is where Head from Corn and all them started. It, it takes care of his daughter Janae and other kids uh troubled kids and stuff so i fly out to the school in indiana i spend the weekend with him and um i just talked jesus with mikey till like five in the morning every night and i just really was so intrigued about and curious about everything he was saying and he hands me this book blue light jazz he says he says lacy from flyleaf says read this book he's like it's gonna change your life and don't pick up the bible until you read this book and i was like okay i've read like two books in my entire life sure i'll read this book yeah and then he and, and then taylor and him got me this study bible too and had like my name engraved in it. and i was like i'm flipping through this thing i'm like this thing's like two thousand pages i was like you want me to it's read study this bible. are you crazy <laughs> i was just like tripping out i'm like i did not understand the gravity of what all this was yeah um so <laughs> The next week, we fly to Arizona, and then we go to L.A. because we have meetings with producers. And this is the week quarantine um, hits. So we're in this meeting with John Feldman um, about you know making a record with him, with the label, all these big things for Islander. And then um, Mike's like, I got to do this interview with this guy, Ryan Reese. And so we come to Calvary Chapel. One year to go to get, today, we were sitting in this Wait, room. today? Uh, not today, but oh, like, but yeah, like, one year close. Like, yeah, yeah, close to one year, yeah. Yeah, so about one year ago, we were sitting in this room with you, and I'm yeah. sitting right over there. And I I'm remember. listening to Mikey talk to you about Jesus on this radio thing, and I'm like curious. I'm like, you know, Paul Gomez is in here. He started Hurley. He's like talking about Jesus with you back and forth. And Paul was talking a lot about things with anger, and that was something that I've really identified with. And so I was paying real attention to what Paul was saying. I was paying real attention about him talking about being in the music business as well. Yep. I really felt like I could identify with him. And then afterwards, um, so it was wait, be really quick. It was funny because when Mikey said that he, he's like, okay, uh, Zach's going to be coming to LA where we got some meetings 
And I was like, dude, this is actually perfect because Paul Gomez is coming in and <laughs> he has roots in the music industry. I know he knows, you know, yeah. Kevin Lyman and all those dudes. Um, and I'm like this, him just being in the studio, whatever God's, God's just orchestrating it yeah. and setting it all up. So <laughs> yeah, here it was like are. a chess chess pieces of so divine, yeah. So I remember being downstairs, and uh, I remember um, I'm a pretty stubborn human being. Like I, I, and I'm very very extreme. I'm not in unless I'm all in. Totally. Okay. And I remember being downstairs in the waiting room, and we were chatting before we went to lunch with Paul and Mikey. And I remember you saying, uh, "You're like, so you want to be a Christian, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And you're like, "Zach." And you just started going over this like list of like ceremonial clean things. I don't know if it, if, if it was that you just knew I was a stubborn person, but you just laid it out so clean to me on how I was going to do it. You were like, you're not going to drink. You're not going to smoke. You're not going to use profanity. You're not going to look at porn. You're not. Gonna, it was just like this constitution. And I remember listening to you and I remember looking over at Mikey and I'd be like, like, what did I sign up for? I'm not going to have sex anymore. I'm like, <laughs> like, what is this? I'm not going to use profanity. Are you crazy? And, um, but again, I was at a place where I was like, I'll give it a shot, you know? And so we go to lunch, and I remember the next day, um, there's all that coronavirus stuff on the yeah. radio and, yeah. uh, and everywhere. It was everywhere. And we're sitting, uh, me and you at Fa, and you're Eating wa some, some wontons that, yeah. that Mikey loved or something. Yeah, and we're, uh, <laughs> everything's about to shut down. Like, like, it's on like red alert. Like, California's about yeah. to close. Yep. And Mikey's recording a song with one of my other clients, Kevin Thrasher. Uh, and they was doing an REM cover. It's the end of the world as we know it because it was about to be the end of the world. Yep. And I remember you were like, Zach, uh, I know this seems crazy. I know you you can barely read. You can do all these things. But he was, you were like, here's the Bible app. You're going to read the gospel in this order. And you kind of just broke it down. Where you're like, here's these apps. Here's these apps. Here's these apps. You can do an audio book. Don't be intimidated. Just dive into this order and go for it. And I I'm was going to hold like, you right there because we're going to go to break in 30 seconds. Yes. And that uh, that Mikey song, I actually talk about it in the book. Yeah. Because it was right during that time I was writing it when you guys were about to drop that single. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just awesome, man. <laughs> Look, at, we're gonna, we're going to be uh, coming back uh, from the break in a couple minutes. I want you guys to go to the whosoevers.com. Get all the past shows. The uh, Damien, the dude we were talking about, he's on our past show. We got Mikey from Islander on the past show. You can get all the old radio shows, and you can book us for a tour. We will come to your city. We'll see you guys. More of the Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. All right, here we go. We are back. I got Zach, and you're going to have to say your last name. Yoshioka. <laughs> Yoshioka in studio from Powerline Management. You manage all kinds of bands. Yep, everyone from Escape the Fade to Islander to Butcher Babies, otherwise Stitched Apart. Yeah, we're, we're all over the place. Yes, and you actually you're, you came alongside. We hired you to come in and, and, and help us uh, manage the movement and take us to new levels, and you've been uh, amazing to work with and um, – Actually, the whole team's very excited you're here. Thank so, you so much. thank you for being a part of the movement. I appreciate it. This See, now awesome. you're not only manage you know a bunch of mainstream bands. You're now you're God has you uh, you know managing a, a great commission uh, yep. ministry doing it. Oh, I love it. I love. Okay, it so, so look at dude. Right before the break, we we're we're sitting there eating wontons with with Mikey from Islander, Paul Gomez, which was mm -hmm. on the radio show as well. He helped uh, start Hurley, and you're like, dude, I want to give my life to God. I want to follow God. I'm kind of just laying it out like mm -hmm. what God. I, basically, what I was doing is when you're talking about the layout session, I was like. Saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. Like, yeah. if you go after Christ, like, this is going to be the fruit <laughs> of it. And you're probably like, what the heck? There's no yeah. way. But you were, you were at that, you were at that empty spot. Mm. And I know that empty place when, when you're just, you have it all, 
everything you've ever wanted, you've achieved, mm -hmm. but then you're just so empty that you're like, it's nothing to me. Yeah, I, I literally would have done anything just to feel better. And at the time, I didn't understand what giving your life to Christ was. Like a lot of people, um, they say, you know, it, it's scary when, when you're first becoming a Christian because, you know, it's, it's like, um, so I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus. Like I'm going to seek and follow him. That, I'm going to make him number one over my family, my friends, all those things like my job. Like that is terrifying to sit, to say you're going to surrender and do that. But, you know, sitting there with you guys at lunch and you guys were explaining to me, you basically said, if you surrender, um, these things will happen to you. And I remember, um, going home after that lunch and it was super encouraging. Paul was like filling me up. You were filling me up with this Holy spirit and all that and praying for me. And, um, I go home quarantine hits it's like our ticket sales with our concert company just paused business um, my bands everyone was on tour for the rest of the year 2020 was going to be one of the biggest years for touring for my band all the tours just got yanked um for the first time in my life i didn't have the answer uh for my clients i didn't you know i was used to having ticket money flowing into my bank account nonstop. i felt invincible for the last 14 years um because i just always had access to money it was just yeah. there um and when all those things got ripped from me it was terrifying. I, I ended up getting on unemployment. I was getting stimulus. And it was just like, I had all this like time on my hands. And I didn't know what to do. I, everyone was scared of coronavirus. Everything was shut down in Arizona. So I, I remember just looking over. I picked up Blue Light Jazz. I ran through that. Um, and that book is a lot about drift and a lot about like testing God. Like, is this real? Like, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, that gave me the confidence to be like, all right. I'm going to believe that Jesus saved the world. That's I'm why gonna, Lacey told you to read that. Yeah. I, I, I was like, okay. I'm going to believe that Jesus saved the world. I'm going to believe, uh, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to apply everything in it to my life. Right. And I'm going to give it my all. Because like I said, I'm extreme. I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. And I had the time to really press into that during quarantine. And for six months, I just read the Bible cover to cover. I went from doing it only on the app like you described. Mm -hmm. i just be on my BMX all night long, listening to it on the app. Um, you know, Then I did it with the book, and then I did it with the book and highlighters. Um, so I ran through it multiple, multiple times. And throughout the process, you, Damien, Mikey, everyone's texting me, encouraging me, mm -hmm. and I'm probably just punishing you guys with questions. I'm no, just, no. You know? <laughs> wait, um, wait, wait. But I want to hear about this. So what was that process like? What, like what was God speaking to you like the first – like the first time through what what was going on uh, you know just little things like you know you know don't lie i didn't realize that becoming a christian was not going to be about you it was going to be about you serving everyone else it was going to be about you putting yourself to death um to be born again and giving yourself yeah. um and your ser and serving you know I, I being a christian to me seems like if this was a a, a dc movie you're the star of the movie is alfred and batman is not you're alfred if you're a christian you know you're not the star so yeah those are things yeah. that i crazy kinda, huh <laughs> kind of realized you know and i and i kind of looked at the bible almost like a marvel universe there's all these you know if you got all these books written by apostles and prophets um and they're all put together in one universe you know with all these different characters i looked at it like a marvel universe so i yeah. started exploring i started reading i tried to like you know really really dive into it and i don't really have any other influence on who jesus was or whatever so i took it at face value for yeah. what i was reading mm -hmm. um and um so what'd you think about jesus as you read about him 
I mean, he seemed like, you know, he just seemed like this guy that was super loving but wasn't afraid to, like, throw down if it came down to it. You know, I've read things like Matthew ten thirty eight where he's like, you know, you're going to love me more than um, your own family or and kids and stuff. And I was just like, you're like Dang. I was like, I don't like that. That's crazy. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've read things like Abraham taking his son up to the the saying he he will obey anything God says and I'll, I'll put my I'll sacrifice my son. And, you know, I read things like. Um, yeah. Crazy, you know, Proverbs 31, uh, you know, where it's talking about, uh, you know, how a woman is supposed to be with a man and all the roles and those sort of things. And, you know, just, you know, uh, 14 times in the first 50 Psalms, it, it, there's explicit sentences that says God hates sinners, not sin sinners. And that freaked me out. I was like, this is tripping me out. Like, what is all this? You know? Um, and then, you know, there's obviously a lot of wrath in there and that freaked me out too. So I wasn't really sure, but the more and more I read it and the more and more I started to dive in, the more I started to learn that, you know, the primer of it all is this is the greatest love story ever and that you can't have love without wrath and all these things. Um, and that everything was leading to a climax with the old Testament to, um, the gospel, which is the climax, Jesus, um, saving the world, giving, dying for our sins, et cetera. That really helped me understand. And that really like built a more, um, conglomerate in my mind of how to read it, like Damien said in the last interview, seeing Jesus on every page. And um, mm-hmm. that just like kind of like transformed me little by little by little. So I was in the Word, um, but I didn't have like this, like, I remember calling Mikey one time, I'm like, yo, like, when's this breakdown moment happen for me? Everyone I know has this breakdown moment mm-hmm. where they're in tears and all that. I'm like, I, I'm not there yet. I yeah. feel more at peace, but maybe that's because I'm in quarantine. I'm not buried in work. Like, when's this breakdown moment coming? I thought like, you know, you mentioned it in your I Am Second video. Yeah. I, th- I thought angels w- would show up in a yeah. dream or something. And, yeah. you know, and I pretty much got to a place where I started to pray a lot, like like 30 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. And I remember praying like a lot and saying like, you know, in my mind, like, you know, I've seen some pretty awesome things in my life. Yeah. God, like I've seen amazing things. So you better show me something more awesome than what I've seen. Um, or I don't know if I can do this, like show up, reveal yeah. yourself. Yeah. I need yeah. to see this. Like yeah. I'm an extreme dude. Like, and if you do, I will do whatever you say, anything <laughs> you say, I will drop it. I'll mow lawns if you need me to. Like, that, Sonny calls those, those dangerous prayers. Yeah. Yeah. It was, pr- <laughs> it was pretty bold, but I was frustrated. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here in quarantine, not drinking, not having sex, yeah. not smoking weed. Yeah, I'm sitting you're here like, like, dude. I'm like, let's go. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, my flesh is burning up over here. Like, what am I doing? And I'm sitting here, and that's when I started praying like crazy. And then you, Damien, Mikey, everyone that was encouraging me over text, because all the Christians I knew were out of state, everyone stopped texting me back as fast. I felt like God was pulling you away from me or something. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, now no one's encouraging me. Like, I need help. I'm in quarantine. I'm by myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I've read this thing front cover to cover. What do I do? And, um... Uh, my fiance now, um, at the time, this is like August 2020, um, I had known her for about 15 years, uh-huh. uh, just through mutual friends and stuff. Never had more than like a conversation for longer than like 10 seconds, probably over 15 years. And um, I just saw her posting all this like Christian stuff on Instagram. And so I, I DM her and I had to like really work up the courage because I didn't want to feel weird, you know, because, uh-huh. uh, you know, there's all these like things with politics and stuff. You're a Christian. You hate these people. You're a Christian. You don't like this. If you're a Christian, you're evil, this, this, and this, and you want to judge everyone. And so I was kind of like DMing her, like almost in a whisper voice of like, Hey, like I'm a Christian now, Jesse. <laughs> I know I haven't talked to you in like a decade really. And you know, we're friends on Instagram or whatever, but, um, you know, like I became a Christian in February. I'm looking for a church. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. 
And um, she was just like so stoked on that. She was like, come to church with me and my friends. And she helped get me plugged in. She got me into multiple Bible studies. She was, you know, just really, really encouraging and just bringing me around all these people that like actually cared about me versus yeah. what I was used to. Um, so I went from basically being in the word, not having prayer, being in prayer and not having community. And then I finally got some community um, and, uh, yeah, it was like, that was kind of like the final step. So like in my, my journey, like last year, it was pretty much like, you know, I started reading the Bible and like three months into it, all my secular friends and everyone around me was just kind of like, Oh, he's like found something like yeah, yeah. good for him. He's, yeah. he's found something. Yeah, totally. And then about even my family too, my dad was like, okay. You know, six months into it, everyone's like, it's getting weird. Like mm-hmm. Zach's not going to bars anymore. Zach's not hanging out anymore. Like he's reading and praying for like hours at a time. Like mm-hmm. this is getting weird. Um, and then, yeah, nine months to a year into it. Now everyone is kind of like Zach is completely psycho. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, you know, more psycho in the, like, this is what I'm doing now. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm, real I'm, thing. I'm going to seek and follow Jesus. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do. That's weird to, to yeah. the man that's not a Christian. Correct. Yeah. And I've had to have this talk with a, a lot of pe- non-believers and stuff that I, I've been very, very close with because I'm pretty, like I said, I'm, if I'm in, I'm all in. And I've had to have those talks in the most respectful way I can. It's like, this is what I'm doing. Um, I don't know what you're going to do, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm the same old Zach, but this is what I, I do now. You yeah. know, uh-huh. um, I hope you can accept me. And it's been a, a great reaction with the non-believer uh, friends and family and then believers and just being surrounded by people that actually um, like really value and care about you. Cause when you're in the, that's music how you business, see who actually really cares. Yeah. And the music business, everything's just so shallow. Everyone yeah. wants to take from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to a place in my life where I was like, I don't want to meet anyone new like at <laughs> all. I don't want to meet these people. I don't trust you. They want to take from me. They want mm-hmm. something from me. And, um, Man, it's just, it's so wonderful. Like, um, my girlfriend just brought me into this community at the church and weird ghostly things started happening after that. The, the, pa- the, the lead pastor at our church, um, was best friends with Donald Miller who wrote, wrote Blue Light Jazz. Mm-hmm. The other lead pastor I played football with in high school. Um, one of the other pastors there, um, is from the hardcore music scene. Um, and I just look at that. And I'm like, out of the hundred thousand churches in North America, I ended up here. I felt like God placed me here. And then, you know, he did. Uh, my girlfriend, and I, we just started dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk about and, that because yeah. we, we got about fourteen minutes left. Sure, so, but that's enough time to to hear this story. So, obviously, you guys were just going to church together. Yeah. So, how did this even start? Well, I mean, before I was uh, a Christian, I would just like hang out with girls. Like, yeah. no, not a date, not anything. I would just hang out with girls. And I remember. Um, you know, you guys, uh, I was probably punishing everyone around me, like with texts all day long. Um, I wanted to, I missed talking about Jesus with someone, you know? And so we started texting, talking about God and that sort of thing. And, um, eventually like we hung out and, um, I just like, Jesse's really kind of like not my type. I'm like all in black and I'm around people with tattoos and stuff. Uh And she looks like, you know, she she showered and she takes care of herself and goes to the gym and stuff. And so she really wasn't the type of, of girl that I was usually hanging around, but we would, we started hanging out and um, I just noticed like, you know, she was the same loving person with believers, non-believers, family, friends, strangers. She was just uh, what Matt Chandler refers to as gospelicious. It was uh-huh. so like attractive. Um, I was like, man, that is so hot. She just, she just like lives the gospel. And um, she was like very patient with me. And, you know, I had a lot of fear coming into community and all that. And uh, just showed me so much grace that I, I was just like, man, like, 
Um, I remember this sounds crazy, but I remember sitting there uh, the third time ever hanging out with her, and it like it was like a bolt of lightning hitting me. Like, yo, you're. I felt this peace, and I just felt like, man, I think I'm sitting with my future wife. Dude, and I, I didn't really say anything right off the bat because I didn't want to like freak her out. Totally. But um, I also remember her. We had this conversation where she said, "If you want to pursue me for marriage and kids, um, then we can be dating." Because it had to be intentional. And at that point, I was just like. Sure, game on. <laughs> like, Dang. So, how, how, like, how how long uh, in the dating or hanging out process did that happen with that conversation? Uh, maybe two or three weeks into it, because um, you know, Christian, real Christian girls, they're not playing. You know, so the God real, was showing her. Yeah, too. the real Proverbs thirty-one girl is going to be upfront. Like, this is what I'm looking for. Don't waste my time. And um, I would, you know, like I said, I'm very extreme. I'm all in or I'm not in at all. I was like, sure, I'll pursue this. So how'd you, uh, how'd you know that uh, through the, during the dating process, um, was there like guidelines and stuff you guys set up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, you're, you're a pirate and, uh, you know, <laughs> she's a, she's a loving Christian girl and yeah, you know, you know we talked about boundaries pretty early on. Um, that was really refreshing. And as someone that, you know, was su- lived a super sinful life beforehand, you know, I'll be honest, I love being pure. I love um, not having to wor- worry if your girlfriend is cheating on you or getting pregnant or Isn't that is nice? she getting her period? <laughs> should you have her period? I don't know, you know? I don't worry about those things yeah. anymore. It, it's yeah. one- really um, wonder- wonderful, but yeah, your flesh has to like die because you just, you know, every cell on your body is on fire, like saying, do this, do this, do this. And when you remove those things, um, that noise, the the things that are not in the design of God yep. um, from you, um, everything just gets way more clear and way and, more loving. And that's what you did as, you know, we stayed in conversation and having these, you know, talking and texting back and mm-hmm. forth. You literally, you went for it. Oh, I just went you all You went in. full in and you see that process happening People that go like give their life to Christ and they really are serious mm-hmm. and they just go to, it's like that boot camp, you know, it's like the Navy SEALs to become a Navy SEAL. You mm-hmm. got to go, you got to literally go into the gnarly boot camp to, to get trained. Yeah. And those, those ones that actually give their life to Christ and fully go for it. Like, you know, the Damien interview earlier, mm-hmm. your, you know, your life, my life, when you just literally kill the noise and just go for it. That's when that transformation process happens quickly. Mm-hmm. And God starts burning out all that stuff in your life that's destroying you and you you get into his purpose a lot more quicker mm. like the plans that he has for you oh yeah he just drops you into that plan quicker but the longer process it takes like you know it's like trying to go to school to be an attorney you know if you mm. keep failing over and over and you don't really take it serious it takes you 20 years to become an attorney yeah well you wasted when you could do it in a certain amount of time sure and that's what it is with our christian life is if you literally full send it and you go all in you read the bible and you actually deny self you repent and you listen to what god says mm. he gets you that kickstart on your life way quicker and that's what happened i mean dude it's been a year and you're <laughs> in my studio and you're engaged yeah like this is crazy yeah i'm i'm engaged uh you know i I thought that, um, you know, uh, there's that, that line in the Lord's prayer, um, give us this day, our daily bread. Yeah. And you know, when the quarantine hit, I, I was taking unemployment. We didn't know what to do. Yeah. But then, you know, pressing into the Lord and making him number one and making my faith unwavering, God just provided, you know, my, my clients started crushing it on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it saved our management company. It saved a lot of our clients from, you know, going broke that were depending on touring full time um, as their main source of income. And then, you know, at one point I was like, I cannot like manage bands anymore. I can't be in this idolatry promoting and getting these bands things that will never satisfy them. I can't do this. I should just be a pastor. I just went through that phase. Mm-hmm. I remember praying to God like I was like, just let me work for a church. 
Just let me work for a church, Lord. Like, um, I'll mow the lawn. I'll just do anything except be in the music business. And um, it was like the next day, like you hit me up. You're like, hey, we don't have an operations director anymore. Would you like to manage this ministry? We, you're going to apply all your skills of what you have to this. And I remember um, when I went to the accounting people to like, kind of dial in my retainer, it, it was the email address was Calvary Chapel. And I was like, God just sent me, said, you asked to work for a church, here you go. <laughs> and I was like, what? So that happened. And then, you know, just weird ghostly things, you know, like I remember, um, like I said, I, I'm adopted from Korea and yeah. not, I didn't tell a lot of people about it, but I dating Jesse early on, I was like, I was like, babe, I got to tell you something. I know my last name's Yoshioka, which is Japanese. But I'm Korean. I'm not Japanese. Um, and she was like blown away and mystified by that. I'm like, what's the, what's the big deal? What's so amazing about that? And apparently, um, you know, during quarantine as well, she got really into Korean culture, like food, um, you know, watching K dramas and that sort of nature. She didn't really know why, but she just got really into the Korean culture. And um, you know, uh, just jokingly, she told a friend one time, like, "Hey, you know, introduce me to some Korean guys or whatever." And uh, yeah, God sent the Korean guy right over there. So things like that. He's uh, in all the details. Yeah, just really ghostly things like that. Even Damien, who led me to the Lord and heard, they have the same birthday. I mean, maybe those are coincidences, maybe they're not. But we don't believe in coincidence. All I can see it's is, all yeah, all I can see is God aligning everything uh, a certain way. And all I know is this, is that if you, if you, if I've learned anything in the last year, it's just if you press in, if you trust him and you, understand that you don't need to know the future, um, that you don't have a crystal ball, but he does. Um, if you just put that trust in him, um, he'll unravel amazing things before you. And even if they're, tr- uh, even if I've, I've learned through other testimonies too, even if something tragic happens to you, it is part of a bigger plan, mm-hmm. which is going to unravel and unfold and do something amazing down the line. You might be Ruth in the story of Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I've just, you know, also I, I've learned, you know, like John 14, 14, you know, from you, Sonny, all these guys I've met just that boldness and faith. Like if I've learned anything from you and Sonny and stuff, it's been, you know, I've never seen people trust in God the way you guys have. You guys will literally pray for anybody. You know, you guys will just step in and like fearlessly and and just lead people to the Lord. And those are things that I wish, um, at least in American culture, we could get stronger at and not just make it this, you know, you always call it the Christian huddle. Yeah. Um, we need to get out of the medical tent and back into the field. If, if you know, obviously the gospel is the church trying to kill Jesus. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jesus didn't spend his time with, uh, in a Christian huddle. And what I've learned from you is yes, we should sh- sword sharpen, but seeing you and Sonny, go out into the world with where, where the brokenness and the pain and just being those pockets of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth has and, been so inspiring. And that's what, that's why we're here is mm-hmm. because we are pilgrims here. I, I don't, I, I've done so many interviews. I can't remember who said why, but yeah. uh, we're pilgrims here on earth. Yeah. And um, our goal is God has get, given us the Holy spirit so that he may, sh- his life may shine through us, that mm. we can go be an influence on people and lead people to the Lord. Because it's all about mm. the kingdom. It's all about eternity. Everything we do here, it's our influence on people to mm. influence them to the kingdom of Christ. And that's why I love the fact that, you know, during this time of, of quarantine and you finding Christ and just, you know, it, <laughs> you know, going through this identity crisis yeah. of trying to figure out what's next in my life mm-hmm. is that God has kept you and remained you in this place yep. in management to let your light shine. And, and you never, you'll never know the impact that you have on people. No, none of us will ever know the impact that we've had on people's lives um, until we get to heaven. Mm. But just being a Christian and, and doing our best to live that life that 
you know, he's given us mm. and to influence people in life and just loving people and praying for people and being available for people mm. that goes so far. And even just with the bands and different people, I'm, I'm excited to actually get to, you know, uh, meet your bands in, yeah. in, in the, in that timing. I know I'm coming to your wedding, uh, when, <laughs> when that's happening and, and just to, to let people know that, you know, God loves them and, and mm. he's not that stereotype of what people think he mm. is. He's not judgmental. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his son to die on the cross that mm. whosoever that would believe by faith would live forever. Their name would be written in the book of life. Yeah. It says that God did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through his son. Yep. And God loves us. And he's just, you're the perfect story of what God can do with anyone. Yeah. And, if I, I've learned anything about Christianity is that Christianity is being Christ like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's not just you know being in community and doing things in the church and being involved in activities and stuff all those things are great but um again like i said about my my fiance jesse like she is gospel all the time with whoever she's around and i think that you know the more we can go into the world the, the, the fact that god left me in music um added more clients to my roster giving me this biblical scope to like yeah. view things completely differently in a more mutually beneficial way like i'm literally in a bio, um a business bible study now where they take amazing parts of the bible and they apply it on how you can navigate people with hard hearts in business and things like that have just really like i feel like i have x-ray vision now before mm-hmm. when i was just looking at things of like um all right it's eye for an eye this is the music business we're ruthless and now it's become how are we going to love on people you know and if you love on people and you stay faithful to god um i've just found nothing but blessings coming my way and like i said even if he doesn't bless me that in and of itself is rejoicing your suffering because whatever is to become of that suffering is going to have an impact further along like we're we're literally a pawn in the chess game is what i've realized and that um you know we're all gonna bow eventually you know damien said it in one of his sermons he's like he's like he's god who do you think we are you know all the kings everyone we're gonna bow um so if that's the truth you know we need to just love each other and be in the design of god and do our roles in the design of god i like what you said how everything that we've been through, God uses that. Whether mm-hmm. it's like, because people think like, oh, if I give my life to Christ and he's going to bless me, everything's going to be a right. blessing and life's going to be unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> no, it's not like that. Yes, he blesses you. And even when you're in those storms or in those hard places, like he's there with you and he gives you that joy. But sometimes he has to take us through these storms and these, mm. these, these, like he, God used the coronavirus to, to, lead you to the Lord. Like, oh, like it, this, 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 not that he set it for you, yeah. you know, I, I'm definitely going to be one of those but, like pandemic but he, Christians, <laughs> but he used this, yeah. he used this dude, major storm, your bank account stops, bands, everything, this whole mm-hmm. operation that your, your job is to provide resources mm-hmm. for your bands and keep the income flowing back and forth. But God used this crazy situation and he took you on this journey. And then Mm. even like he almost had all the Christians kind of withdraw that opened another door for you to reach out. Right. Think I was thinking about that withdraw of Mm -hmm. us, those text messages uh, that he used that for you to actually reach out to find her. Mm -hmm. And then he used that situation to where you're at now. Yeah. It's been, it's been (laughs) such a wild thing. Cause like um, you just see how God works and you see how, he'll just align perfect moments the way he does. And it's really, really beautiful. And, um, you know, 
I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just so grateful. Like all praise to him. I mean, it's been um, quite a journey. My life went from a hundred miles an hour to way, way, way slower and way more, I'm like a million times more happier. I actually know what peace is. My heart used to feel like it was pounding through my chest every single night. Um, and I didn't know uh, how to stop that. So if, if anyone's listening, I mean, just give it a shot. If you can just get to a place of willingness um, to, to apply the Bible to your life and pray and um, believe Jesus saved the world and, and just live in that and just press into that, um, your life will supernaturally transform like 100%. Well, I'll end it there. Well said, Zach. Dude, thank you for being on the show. And dude, I'm so stoked I met you. And thank you for just being a part of the movement and just allowing God just to to, to come in and, and reign in your life and transform you. That just, it really encourages me. Uh, I just get excited when I see the power of God come upon people and just transform them. Thanks, and now, dude. I mean, you're going to get married. Yeah. Blessings there. And just what God's going to do just with that. Once you guys get married, what God's going to do there, that's going to be this whole another <laughs> amazing chapter in this journey. And God loves creating journeys in our life to keep it interesting. So yeah. thank you for being on. Uh, we you. love you guys. Uh, go to the whosoevers.com, download, go to kill the noise book, get the book, send it out to people that uh, need to get encouraged and build their faith. I love you guys. And next weekend we'll be talking. Peace. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs>